So we get home from the hospital on Sunday and Extraordinary Families called me that morning and said, just so you know, DCFS is going to be reaching out to you. They found the aunt and the aunt wants to take her. It's the Foster to Forever podcast. Happy stories of non-traditional families born through Foster to Adopt. I'm your host, Rachel Fulginetti. Hi, I am here with Kira Cook today, my guest. I'm so excited to talk to you, Kira. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be yeah. here. Um, Kira, I know uh, loosely through an amazing Facebook, mommy Facebook group that's like, a, I don't even know how to, it's beyond a Facebook group. It is an incredible support network of just the coolest women moms yeah, we got the mom Illuminati. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so anyway, we're we're connected that way, and I'm always so um, interested in in connecting with other foster to adopt moms because it's such a different. I mean, it's different and it's the same, right? Like being a parent is just being a parent, but the foster to adopt road is just such a different animal that only people who've been through it really can understand. So I'm I'm so happy to hear your story today and I don't know much of it. So um let's start at the beginning like how how many children do you have and how many came through foster to adopt? Um so I have two children. <clears throat> um I have a biological son and an adopted through the foster system daughter. Okay, great. And and how old are they? So my son is five, five almost six. He turned six in two weeks. Um, and my daughter is four. They're 18 months apart, pretty much exactly. That's a lot. That's great. Yeah. And and also probably a little hard sometimes. Yeah. Well, it was kind of by engineering because I wanted them to be close in age. And I knew that the f- adoptions system, then I went into the foster system, could take a long time. So right. really, it was like weeks old. I was like, okay, let's start like working on how to grow our family in this other way. And, yes. you know, yeah, I mean, I could go into a million. I, I don't want yeah. to myself. Well, <laughs> no, let, let me just ask you. So what, so you had a biological son and then did you decide, like, did you always know that you also wanted to adopt or was, what, what led you to foster to adopt? Yeah, I always wanted to adopt. I didn't, I wasn't really interested in having my own uh, biological children at all. And I, it was f- since childhood. I just, I don't know. Wow. I mean, I, I really had my heart set on international adoption. I, um, I'm not sure why or what sort of, uh, instigated that, but well, I know what, um, made me afraid of having my own children is my mom loved to tell the story of my birth, which was horrible and painful. <laughs> and oh, <man. laughs> when you hear that a certain <laughs> amount of times, sort of like, why would I do that? If I want to have mm-hmm. children someday, there are so many children who need a home. I, that's how I will grow my, you know, my family someday. So then I met my husband who was very open to that and loved the idea, but he was really had his heart set on, you know, having a biological child. That's how he had envisioned fatherhood um, until mm-hmm. he met me. And so I thought, all right, well, we can, you know, compromise and uh, we'll, we'll do both. Um, so I will compromise my extreme fear of labor and, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll try that <laughs> first. You know, and the idea was like, maybe we won't even be able to get pregnant. We'll see. So let's try that first. 
And um, of course, you know, got pregnant pretty much. Well, and once, and once I, and once I decided I was ready to become a mother, it was like, there was no stopping me. Um, Mm -hmm. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't, it's just like everything you live and breathe every thought with like, I'm just, I'm just ready. Every baby on the street, every. (laughs) It's so true. Yeah. Yeah, It's wild. It's really baby crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Baby crazy. So I would, I went to the 99 cent store and I took a test every single day. He was like, you're driving yourself crazy. Stop taking tests. Like you'll know when you know. And it's like, no, I need to know the second it happens. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, anyway, got pregnant, um, had, had my son Rowan. And when he was six weeks old, I started looking into adoption. Um, and I have, wow. yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I'm a six Capricorn. Weeks. Explain anything. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I'm a planner. Yeah. Um, yep. so just, just sort of idly looking into it and of course, bringing it up to my husband and he was like, you are insane. We're not doing anything yet. But I was like, listen, it can take two and a half years. So like mm-hmm. from, from being put on a list to, and if we want to have them close in age, we really should, we have to start thinking about this. Um, mm-hmm. even though of course we're not ready today. So I started looking around and, um, researching international adoption, which is what I had always envisioned. And, uh, I quickly found out that it's very different than it was when I envisioned adoption when I was a child, because in the nineties, many Americans were adopting internationally and they have since, you know, revised a lot of the laws and they, you know, for example, in China, a baby, if it's uh, put up for adoption or, you know, taken to an orphanage or whatever, it's um, mandatory. There's a mandatory one year waiting period so that domestic families can have a chance um, to Uh adopt, you know, through their own system before Mm -hmm. opening it up to the international community of parents. So, um, and that right. was problematic for me because I loved babyhood and I really wanted to do baby, the baby phase again. Uh-huh. Um, I just, I loved it so much. Uh, even when I was in it and when, and you know, when he turned one, it was just like, I can't wait to do that again. I just, it's just such a sweet phase and, you know, mm-hmm. moms have different, um, eras of parenthood that they like. Right. Best. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I just yep. loved it. And luckily I had a very good baby. So he set a good precedent. He slept well, you know, it with no colic. Um, yep. so Anyway, I um, started, you know, going down that lane and realizing that, that probably that wasn't going to happen. Um, uh-huh. And then one day I was perusing Facebook and my very first improv teacher, when I moved to LA and started taking improv, I was Facebook friends with him and he's white and he posted a picture, there up came a picture of him and his little black son. And I was like, huh, well, probably, he probably adopted. Let me just reach mm-hmm. out and, and ask him how, you know, how he did that. And so we went out for coffee and he very sweetly, you know, gave me an hour of his time. And I brought my little, (laughs) my son was like three months old at the time, um, his little stroller. And, you know, he told me about the foster to adopt system, which I had never even considered or known anything about before that. Mm -hmm. His wife Mm -hmm. is a social worker. um, Oh, wow. Who's in our mommy Illuminati. Um, Uh And (laughs) and there's so (laughs) many of us, we don't know all of them, (laughs) Um, but um, because she was a social worker and had worked with the foster system, you know, for them, it was not a question, you know, they had a biological child and they were mm-hmm. forced to go through the foster system next. So, um, he told me about his experience and he said that he went through a foster agency called extraordinary families and uh-huh. that I should look them up. And I did, and I yep. joined an orientation the next month. Um, and I cried in it <laughs> and, and yep. we left and my husband and I were like, yeah, this is how we're, this is how we have to grow our family. This is this is, I think this is what we're supposed to be doing. Amazing. Uh, we used extraordinary families too. Oh, amazing. For both of our children. Yeah. They're really great. They're oh, so wow. great. 
Yay. You've, you've adopted two through the foster system. So we have. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we just finalized with my son. He'll be um, two in July. I was just telling somebody else this, even though he was a safe surrender, but it still has taken almost two years oh my to God. finalize. Just, Isn't that like, it's just crazy. It's, it's, un, it's unreal. The The red tape of this system is agonizing because each, no no case is, cre- is um, assessed differently. They are all assessed exactly the same, which right. is wrong. <laughs> right. Right. Because you would think that it would be like a cut and dry, like, okay, this is yeah. a safe surrender. We've had him for this whole time since he was four days old. Oh my God. But it was just one of those things. And and I got sort of word from the social workers like, well, I think they thought this was like a low priority case because there's no like complications, but you would think that would just make them want to just do it. Yeah. Like sign off on it. But instead it, yeah, it dragged on and on. So anyway, we, we Had finally- Had anyone come forward or anything? No, no, okay. not at all. Not the okay. whole time. So you technically have 15 days. The, the birth mom has 15 days to come back. Yeah. And they, but then they were telling us, like, of course, they would hear her case regardless of when she came back, if right. she came back. Right. You know, and then the longer you've had the child, the the more it's kind of swings in your favor yeah. because you're the only parent that that this child has known. But yeah, so it was it was still a bit stressful. I mean, not as stressful as it was with our, with our daughter, Yeah. but which was a two and a half year journey. Yeah. But you know, it was still, it was still stressful. So you, so you brought, so how old was your daughter when you, so, or take me through just like, how did, did you know you wanted, you wanted a baby, obviously. Yes. Yeah. I wanted a baby. So we told them zero to six months. Um, Mm -hmm. We wanted a girl because we had a son and I wanted the experience of having a daughter. Um, So zero to six month baby girl. And that was kind of it. We, you know, open Uh anything. And um, we waited, you know, they said you could either get certified, you know, once you get certified, you get a call that day, you know, that's the rule. Um, And of (laughs) course it it wasn't. Um, I was filming in Scotland and we got our first call and it was sort of like, mm. Scotland, I'm not going to be home for another week. This probably isn't right, but I feel so crazy saying no to the first one, right. um, but it just didn't make sense. Uh, so we said no to the first call, which came maybe like, I think our first call came like six weeks after we were certified, maybe mm-hmm. yeah, four or six weeks. And then we got another call and we said, yes, immediately. All we knew about her was, you know, baby girl. Um, mm-hmm do you want mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, right. mother, mother removed, you know, removed from mother's care due to uh, drug exposure. Uh-huh. And we said yes. And, um, we, you know, ran to the, to target to get the last minute bottles. Mm-hmm. And we were so excited. We told our family and we were like, and, and they said she'll, um, the foster or DCFS will drop her off by this, by this evening. We mm-hmm. waited all day. Nighttime comes, we're calling everybody and everybody's gone home. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, where's the child? Where's like, the baby? And also, do we yeah. go to bed or are they going to show up in right. the middle of the night? What's going on? And why won't anyone pick up the phone? Like, we're waiting for a, a baby here. If you right. say the baby's going to come, you expect the baby to come. So yeah. uh, the baby never came. In the morning, finally, I got a hold of someone and they were like, um, oh, it's that she's going through withdrawal. So we needed to keep her at the hospital. Okay. Can I visit her? Yeah. Oh, not sure about that. You know, and then, and thus Whoa. began the like, you know, years long journey with this system mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where there's a million rules, but no, but, but none of them are set in stone and uh, nobody's going to tell you the rule. They're going to tell you to call somebody else to tell you the rule. And then it's just an endless game of phone tag. And w- you know why, if I'm on the list and I am 
going to be fostering this child. Why would I not be able to start visiting her in the hospital, establish a bond with her, be with somebody that's not just, you know, a visiting nurse. And they wouldn't allow it. And I called all day and finally said, really somebody said, Oh, you can totally visit her. She's being released today. It's like released today. What? Okay. So then it was like, "Eh." I was literally in the car going to an audition. (laughs) And so I called my husband. I was like, I'm going to go into this audition, which of course I'm sure I was crazy in. Um, I'm an actor (laughs) and writer and a voiceover artist also. Um, (laughs) So I was like, it was a terrible, because all I could think about was like, I got, I got to go to this baby. And, um, then I get a call right as I'm about to go into the audition that says, oh, you know what? There was a paperwork, a clerical error, and we've assigned this baby to another family. So another family is going to actually take her home. Sorry about Ugh. that. And it's like, Ugh. you know, when you orient your whole life, your whole life is yeah. waiting for a phone call and then you get a phone call and the baby's coming and then it doesn't come and then it's whatever. It was so much back and forth. It was insane. Yeah. So my husband was like, I'm going to the hospital anyway. Who knows? Somebody should somebody should know about this and never do this to another family. So I want right. to go talk, I need to go talk to somebody. So he went wow. and he watched the other parents be, taking her home. Like heard the oh you're the foster parent. Da-da-da. Watched them <sighs> get in the elevator and he was like he I guess he had such a crestfallen look that somebody said are you okay and he said that that's we were supposed to take on that child and um. It was devastating, but wow. of course, then I called, I called DCFS. I was like, somebody should know about this. This is, this shouldn't happen to people, you know? Yeah. And, and so, so began my like, you know, righteous crusade through the fosters to adopt system mm-hmm. of like trying to make it better from within, which you can't really do um, mm-hmm. because your whole life is very precarious. You want to be able to, you don't want to, you don't want to piss these people off. That's so, right. I called yep. them and the woman on the other line at DCFS said, oh, honey, if you want a baby, you're going to get a baby. There's a baby every day. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> um, I was like, ah, gotcha. That's the ethos of this system. It's like there's, you know, another day, another baby. And, right. you know, for us, it's like we had to go through months and months of training and classes and certification and house visits and emotional, uh, mental health assessments. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just like everything. Your Your whole life is exposed and you have to be very committed to the idea of bringing a, somebody else's baby into your home for mm-hmm. some time to forever. And right. if you're not, you're not going to be probably going through the system. Um, I don't think it's like right. it was before. Uh, there's a lot more parameters around it, rightfully so. But yeah, that was a big wake up call. Very devastating mm-hmm. and weird because mm-hmm. we never even met her. Um, and then a couple of weeks went by. Sorry, that was such a long story for like not even getting a baby at the end of it. But um, no, no. But this is like this is how it is. This is the is. ins and outs of like it's very unpredictable. The yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. And that's why so many people, you know, when I tell them this, like I couldn't do it. There's no way. And mm-hmm. in my mind, it's like I would do it again one thousand more times. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to get to mm-hmm. Zoe. Um, so a couple of weeks go by and we get another call and, you know, they made it very clear on the phone. They're like, listen, there's family that wants this child. There's aunts and uncles at the hospital, the mother, it was drug exposure, but this baby is very wanted. So it's a very mm-hmm. small chance that this is a, going to be an, an adoption. Cause we had told them we, you know, you have, you were hoping to adopt, people, but we really wanted yeah. to adopt. Yeah. And we said, listen, what, wh- who would we be if we didn't say yes to this? This baby needs a home now. That's why mm-hmm. this baby has to go into the foster system and not with a family member. They couldn't get them certified in time, I guess, mm-hmm. for the hospital discharge. And, you know, we said, okay, uh, of course we want to take her and we'll love her mm-hmm. for as long as she needs. And so we took home our first foster daughter. Her name was Florencia and she was an angel and mm-hmm. we had her for three weeks 
Mm-hmm. God, oh my God, I'm actually blanking. It might be two. It was either two or three weeks. Okay. In newborn years, that's a very long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, in lack of sleep days, lack of sleep it's a very time, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was such a short. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was such a short time. But of course, we fell in love with her, and um, there was no calls from family or anything. But on so it must have been two weeks. Because on two weeks to the day, there was a judge's, you know, some sort of arbitration, uh-huh. and we got a call from DCFS that said, okay, uh, Florence is actually going to be going with the biological father and DCFS mm. will pick her up today. I was like, what? We, wow. you just, you just, just like that. We don't even get another night with her. And so, you know, we went out as a family for pizza the last time, took pictures in a photo booth, whatever, mm-hmm. um, said our goodbyes and waited again for DCFS who never mm-hmm. showed up. And finally in the evening, they call and say, you know what? I couldn't get overtime. So you're just going to take her to a McDonald's parking lot um, yourself when the dad gets off work. You can meet him at 10 o'clock at any local, you know, what now? fast food at- parking lot. What? Yeah. And so now with my wisdom of having been in the system for many years, I would have said, absolutely not. You can come get her tomorrow. But I was so new and so green. And this was our first foster child that I yeah. said, okay. And I strapped her to my chest and walked over to the local McDonald's and brought all her things. And we had you know, <sighs> taken her to see Santa. So there's pictures of her with Santa and I gave them to the dad. So the dad and I like found each other by talking on the phone, walking towards each other in a, you know, horrible halogen lit parking lot or floodlights. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just really depressing. And, you know, he was, I think he was embarrassed mm-hmm. and I think he was, I, I don't know. He, he just really didn't share much at all. I tried to share about her, tell him what we knew of her, you know, uh-huh. and he, just, he just really kind of wanted to get out of there, which didn't uh-huh. feel great. Didn't feel great. Right. Um, and, wow. and you, know. you were not to interrupt, but you were with mm-hmm. extraordinary families at this time. Yes. So did they play a role in like, you know, kind of like supporting you or like, like going with you or telling you like, you don't have to do that. Like we'll do it tomorrow or what? That's a great question. And I honestly can't say, I don't remember. Um, I think this piece happened at night, which is when I Uh believe it's very hard to get a hold of people. Yes. So either I couldn't get a hold of them or it's that they said, yeah, this happens sometimes and it's normal. You know, I I don't think I would have done it without like, because DCFS is, has, is the ultimate arbiter. So it's like, if they say I have to do it, then I, I have to do right. it. And they were the right, ones right. me to. Um, but I'm guessing that extraordinary families just like, yeah, sometimes it is this way. They probably said, do you want me to come with? And I think I was like, right. I don't need that. And I, I don't really want more people there when I say goodbye to her. I just, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I don't, I don't quite remember exactly. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, they reunited then suddenly you only have the one child who's yeah. still like a t- baby, baby, like yeah. a he's, real he, baby. He was 17 months. Yeah. 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 And he, you know, he loved Florencia and, and wasn't all that confused when she was gone, you know, because he's uh-huh. so young. Um, right. You know, he's barely talking at that point. I mean, it was words, right. but not. Um, so after that, it was, I went on my mom group mm-hmm. and not our mom group, actually a different one. Um, okay. A smaller one that were like, there was only 200 of us and every, we had a lot of in-person things. So we knew each other personally. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas ours is big and, you know, I've never met right. you before, even though we live here. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, I posted and I said, I just need to share what's going on. You know, my foster daughter was reunited with her father and I'm just devastated and I just miss mm-hmm. her. And 
I know that that means that my daughter is still coming and she's on mm-hmm. her way to me, but it's, it's very, it's very hard. And mm-hmm. I want to say probably seven days later, um, one of the moms in that group reached out to me, texted me and said, um, <laughs> I told your story to my best friend who actually works for DCFS in the adoption, you know, arena. And, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> she had your story in mind. Cause I'd shared it with, I shared it with her and she was so you know moved by it. And, you know, I think I said, she probably said, keep an eye out, you know, for her and she has a baby. Are you interested in hearing wow. about her? And it's like, Oh, what we, and we had told extraordinary families, we need a break. So we called uh-huh. extraordinary families after mm-hmm. Florencia left and we said, mm-hmm. we need a, I need three months. It's really hard to do this with a 17 month old. And I'm, yep. I'm heartbroken. So I need a couple months to just recoup and then sure. I will do this again. So we were on pause with them and we would have never gotten this call if I hadn't posted in the mom group about wow. it. And so uh-huh. like, seriously, <laughs> we owe our family to the online Facebook mom groups. <laughs> That's so cool. I have to say, I, know, I feel it's like extraordinary. It really is. It, Every time I see her, I'm like, you are you are, our kids go to the same preschool. Um, and yeah. she, she has such a special bond with Zoe, but yeah. So, she, so I said, well, of course, even though we just went on hold, of course we'll hear the story. And you know, it was like good chance of adoption because the mom had had another child removed seven years prior and had not mm-hmm. adopted, you know, had not done the work to get her back. Uh-huh. And this, and she was removed for the same reasons. And, um, I'm trying to think of the other details anyway. So yeah. she's really worn. And how, how old was she? Newborn. She was Newborn. two weeks old okay. when we picked her up, which okay. was like three days later, two days uh-huh. later. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I called my husband and I was like, I mean, there's this baby. And he's like, yeah, I mean, this is exactly the kind of call that we'd be hoping for. Right. Um, so why, you know, it, just because it's not three months from now, we shouldn't wait. And it's like, you're right. right. And, and it was like a few days before Christmas and I'm born on Christmas. And it just felt like Aww. a little miracle moment. And so we, um, we went to Long Beach and uh, got her from the hospital and she was two weeks old. She was in the NICU. And I remember I asked the nurse, you know, I was so scared. All I'd seen is a little picture of her and, and I knew, just knew nothing about her, you know? And I said, is, um, is she, is she a good baby? Does she, or does she cry a lot? How does she, mm-hmm. and she said, she, oh, I know. I said, is she colicky? And she said, this baby, no, this baby is perfect. Oh, <laughs> that's so was, sweet. I know. So sweet. I mean, of course I would have loved her if she was colicky, but um, right, it was really, right. you know, it's scary. It's like you're, when you give birth, you know, the baby right away, you know, you, right. know, you know, that you've lived with that baby for months and months. And yes, and this is just, you know, my second time showing up at a hospital and picking up somebody else's baby and immediately yes. feeling a flood of love, but also yes. like I have everything to learn about her still. Um, yeah. Oh God, that's so beautiful. So many things are popping up for me as you're talking. Like, yeah. first of all, there's the meant to be aspect, which I'm finding in every single story. There's this wow meant to be yeah. aspect where it's just it had to happen this way. It happened this way because this was the child meant to join our forever family. And yeah. I firmly, firmly believe in that. And I believe that if you want a child and you, you know, it might not ha- be the first one out of the gate, but eventually you're going to see what happens and why it happens. It's going to, you're going to be united with the child that that you're supposed to be with. I, yeah. I believe. Yes, I do too. And yeah. I, and the, the other thing is I can relate to that moment when, when <laughs> the nurse said, Oh, this baby, this baby is perfect. When, when we went to pick up my daughter, 
that moment right before you walk in and you're just like, you don't know what to expect. And you're just like, oh my God. And it's the NICU and everything. And and we said, um, we're here to pick up Isabella. And the nurse said, oh, Isabella, we love Isabella. Oh and gosh. it was just like this moment that we were just like, you do? Like, just like <laughs> hanging on to like, oh, you know, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and sure enough, you know, there she is. And they, they put her in our arms and then it was just like, oh yeah, yeah. we love her too. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I really, I really, I, I do think that some people have that, that, that gene and some people don't, you know, when mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of people about this, it's like, if you hand me a baby, I will love that baby forever. And that's my baby. Like if you mm-hmm. need to go, then I will take care of that baby forever. No problem. <laughs> and a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of women, you know, and I kind of thought that was maybe an innate thing in humans where it's sort of like, of course, but, but a lot of people aren't baby people. A lot of people True. really don't, don't, don't have that sort of like immediate, um, response to a child. Um, that, and I didn't know I had it either until I became just ready to be a mother and, and motherhood right. felt like it was, um, like an orb around me. <laughs> right. And even if you don't feel that at first, that doesn't mean that that can't grow. I mean, not. I am yeah. not, I will be straight honest. I am not a, a newborn person. I, mm. as they get older for me, it's just more and more joy because I can interact with them and I can do so. I mean, I love babies too, of course, but I'm not a, like a baby, baby person. Like, yeah you're talking about. And so, and I know a lot of people who are, but that's, that's not necessarily my thing, but I still, I mean, that, that love, it's just such an interesting relationship because the love and the bond grow over time. You know what I mean? It's maybe it's not that instant chemical thing of like Mm. when they put a biological child on your chest and it's was in your body. And yeah, I don't have that experience. I can imagine it's an immediate yeah. thing because you sort of recognize each other. Yeah. For us, it was very much like just a, a growing in love with each other yeah. every day, more and more and more yeah. a- until it just becomes like, you can't believe that you didn't birth this child. Like, you know, yeah, it just feels like you're just so connected. But yeah, anyway, I just want to put that out there for anyone who might be listening, who's like, I don't know if I'm a baby person or I'm not a baby oh, gosh, person. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. No, um, no, not yeah. at all. I'm just saying there, you know, there, there's all different ways and it can work in different ways. Also, you don't have to get a baby. Yeah, you, know, you can get Absolutely. an older child as well. So just yeah. to put that out there. But and I'd like to um, do that someday. Um, someday very much. Yeah. This. Yeah. Was the fostering experience relatively smooth? for you or were there was there a lot of stuff that came up okay um yeah I wouldn't say it was smooth because there's sort of the specter of family um biological Mm -hmm. family Mm -hmm. hanging over the case at all times and that just really made me feel like um you want to feel like you can love them forever and you really yes. can only love them as long as they're in front of us. And yep. and that's the case with their biological children too. It's like, you can't, right. you have no control. <laughs> um, right. And it's like a gradual, you know, lessening of control as they get older and older and older. But, um, and that's like a really intense reckoning of motherhood um, that I'm like in this phase of now where it's like, yeah, my, I'm, they're moving out of like, you know, toddler phase into like yeah. kid phase. And, yeah. and that's a big shift. But, um, but with Zoe, she had a 
biological half-sister that was adopted by her aunt. And so we were told in the beginning that family had not come forward and Mm -hmm. no one has expressed interest and they couldn't really get a hold of anybody and no one was calling. And then eventually, like, I don't know, a week or two in, the grandmother called, but she was immediately um, not deemed fit uh, by DCFS. She didn't become an option. Mm -hmm. And uh, about three months in, Zoe was like just very sick a lot. I think it's because my mm-hmm. son was in preschool and he just like, kept any cold mm. just knock her out. Mm-hmm. And so she was, she had ear infection after ear, every, every month she had an ear infection. She finally got the ear tube surgery oh. and she hasn't had one since, but, um, wow. you know, she was three months old and she got RSV, which is a scary, oh. scary, you know, baby virus, kid yeah. virus. Yeah. And it made her breath very shallow. And I had just gotten on the plane to, um, Actually, that was the second time. So no, anyway, the first time I took her to the doctor and they said she needs to go to the hospital right now. She's got a really low oxygen levels. Wow. And so she needs to go get oxygen therapy and um, be hospitalized. So I was, you know, mm-hmm. of course, a mess. And um, we stayed in the hospital with her for, I think it was three or four nights. And we would just trade off being with our son at home or in the hospital with her. And so terrible, you know, they're so tiny in that huge hospital bed and you can't sleep with them because it's not safe. And so you sleep in like, and I'm using quotes, uh, not safe, um, (laughs) in case you're not watching a video. Um, but, uh, there's a tiny cot that you're given. I mean, the whole thing is just horrible and uncomfortable and she's in all these tubes and wires and Mm -hmm. she can't be walked around and it sucks. So we get home from the hospital on Sunday and... DCFS called, no, Extraordinary Families called me that morning and said, just so you know, DCFS is going to be reaching out to you. They found the aunt and the aunt wants to take her. And um, this is like after spending, you know, all this time in the hospital, yeah. like being coming crazy attached to this little person. Yes. And I said, oh no, you know, can I ask her if that's her intention or she said, she's going to call you. She wants to like have a play date with you, but Mm -hmm. I'm giving you this knowledge, you know, and I said, well, can I talk to her about it on the phone? And they said, we strongly advise that you wait till the play date and just bring it up on the play date. You can just ask, is that your intention? Just so you know, but of course, because of course it's like, you just want to know what, what can I expect? And this whole journey is, yeah, I can't know anything really. That's right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a letting go of control. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, she called me right when we got home from the hospital and said, you know, like, I'm like so intimidated by this stranger, this woman who could change my, upend my life, you know? And of course I also agree that it is her right to call and say, this is my family and my blood. And perhaps she just found out about her. I mean, it's sort of like, what's taking so long? She's three months old at this point. We've had her for Mm -hmm. three months. Mm -hmm. Um, but she was so sweet and so friendly and, you know, I'd love to just have a play date. We'd love to meet her. And we had a lovely conversation and I said, well, we can't now. I mean, we just got home from the hospital. Oh, why? Oh my gosh. Thank you for taking care of her, et cetera. And then at the end of the conversation, I said, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to wait until I see you to ask this, but I can't possibly wait one more day to know the answer. Are you planning on adopting her? You know, is that why you've kind of called? And she's, there was like a long pause and she said, oh, well, did you want to adopt her? And we said, yes, we're in love with her. We're, yeah. we're wildly yes. in love with her. We, 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 we would keep her forever and, and we want her to be our family, but we understand that you as her biological family get priority. Yeah. And she said, oh, honey, I have fostered like seven kids in this family. They've all been removed from their parents for one reason or another. Wow. And I know that heartbreak and I would never do that to another woman. So if you want to keep this baby, 
I'm happy if I just get to have a relationship with her. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God. That's I started amazing. Yeah. I know, I know. And it's wow. like, the thing I asked, what if I had never said anything? Yeah. You know? Because yeah. DCFS makes it, fe- makes it seem like it's a game of telephone, right? And unless the foster parent advocates for themselves, you don't yes. know the truth. 100%. And I don't 100%. think it's like specious on the, the, you know, the side of DCFS. I think it's like they really, really push for biological family reunification. Yes. But to the point where it's like, what if it doesn't make sense for that? What, what if, what if the biological family isn't really serious about it? Like, why right. would you phrase it as this is happening? You know, wh- why right. do that? You know, and as opposed to having the conversation, um, yeah. it's like, everything is very, there's no gray area. So anyway, we ended up meeting up at a playground like a couple weeks later when Zoe was better and she met her half sister who was like seven at the time. And, you know, the aunt sort of like reiterated, I'm, you know, when she was in her fifties, I think she didn't necessarily want to adopt a baby. I don't think that she wanted to do that again. Understandably, it's a huge undertaking. Yeah. Um, because of course it's like, if that's what she really had wanted, she wasn't going to let a foster parent stand in the way. So, you know, um, so we, you know, we had a lovely visit and she said, I just, I just want to see her. I just want to be in her life. Send me pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, I think her sister's going to have a problem with us not taking her. And sure enough, the sister, I guess, had asked a lot, like, why aren't we taking, why mm-hmm. can't you go with us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we, um, so that happened. And then in the beginning, of course, the mom, um, had never done a visit, never one single visitation, didn't do a single thing for the case. The dad mm-hmm. was supposed to be supposedly um, in jail, but we still don't even know really. Mm-hmm. Was a, his the whole thing is a big question mark. But mm-hmm. um, but the mom did call me a couple times in the beginning, and she was angry and um, hostile, um, mm-hmm. and sort of said that she would be taking her. So like said that that you know that's my baby. I'm gonna get you know don't don't basically don't get too comfortable. Uh-huh. Um, but she never did anything she had to do for the case. So, right. but that was scary. You know, the, those phone calls are sort of like hostile and weird. And, and, you know, after the, the very first phone call, I said, listen, I can't imagine what you're going through. And I'm, I'm sorry. And it was mm-hmm. on Christmas that she called because we had just taken her home on Christmas, like two days before mm-hmm. Christmas. And she didn't want to have that conversation with me. You know, mm-hmm. she wasn't about to like commiserate with me. <laughs> right, right. Which or, or be vulnerable because that would yeah. require vulnerability. And that was probably something she was not able or or wanting to, or yeah, able to yeah. share. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, she, um, so there was some phone calls with her. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'd say about a year in, she called and said, I want you to adopt her and I'm going to sign the papers. Hmm. And you know, it was like, oh my wow. gosh, good. Because we've heard that this can take years, even though she never did a thing and the dad right. was MIA. Yeah. There's still these, like, every time we had a court date, it would be continued. Every time. I know. I'd go down to the family court and the judge would just leave early that day. So they'd come out and they'd say, all right, rest of the cases, we'll see you in six weeks because the judge has to leave early. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, what? you know, whatever. So it was like every yeah. time it was like longer, longer, longer. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if you sign the papers, then we can do this faster. But she never did. She never, mm. it, it required follow through. And right. Um, right. she just didn't do that. So uh-huh. so we just kind of waited out her court and, and, and the whole time uh-huh. just sort of like, yeah, being a little worried that like she would start doing what she needed to do or, yeah. or that the aunt would change her mind, you know, um, 
or that yep. another cousin or something would come forward because, you know, she has a kind of big family. Right. Um, but that didn't happen. And mm-hmm. finally, 2.75 years into the process, we adopted her. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. What was that day like? Oh my gosh. Tell me about that day. Well, of course, but it's like, you know, it's so delayed. It's like, there's so mm-hmm. many weird steps. It's like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's probably going to happen. Yeah. Then the date gets continued. And then it was COVID. So we, we couldn't go into court anymore. So that's mm. it was like, there was no longer, because I went to co- every court date I could, even though they don't let you in, you have to sit outside the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And the very last one, they let me in my mom was with me, but they made us sit in the back of the courtroom and they yeah. basically whispered the entire time. So yeah. I hear it's hard anything. to hear. Yeah. I, it's interesting that you're saying that they didn't let you in because for all of mine, I attended all of ours too. And we were always allowed in, what? but we always had to sit in the back and you're not allowed to say anything. Yeah. You're not allowed to like talk unless you're addressed yeah. by the judge. And um, it's so funny that you say that about whispering because I was just like it always on the edge of my seat with like a pen because you have to no electronic devices. So you can't even like try to tape it or anything. And I would just be like, wait, what did they say? What did they say? Um, You know what I mean? And like, yeah, yeah, I was never allowed in. And I don't why I wonder because yours was a safe surrender and there are parents involved in mine. I don't know why they would not allow us in. They didn't allow any of any of the other. Well, I guess I didn't know really what the other cases were. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That is weird because my first, my daughter wasn't a safe surrender and it was still like that. Did you have family and friends join you or? Um... We weren't allowed to go to the courthouse oh, you weren't allowed because, because it was COVID. It was COVID. Yeah. So we logged yeah. in on Zoom and. Anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. Very anticlimactic. We knew the day. Well, it was very exciting because um, was it first I think we had a visitation with the foster, with our foster, or sorry, our DCFS social worker, you know, who mm-hmm. comes, I think it was like once a month or once every two weeks. And uh, she had a visit that day and it, it happened that day. And so she said, she came and I opened the door. She said, you're going to adopt. It's, a, it's official. <laughs> you just adopted her. And so then it was, she's like, I wanted to tell you in person. I'm so glad we had the appointment today. I can't believe it. And mm. then she wrote me emails and stuff. So we kind of celebrated with her and cried. Um, and then joined on the zoom. I, I think it was like, that was when, ugh, God, now I'm, I can't believe it. It's only been a year and a half, but I'm already forgetting like the, all the right micro details. But I think she told us that like, we had had a date set for the adoption and okay. then Tyler and I logged on to whatever zoom, yep. uh, zoom court and, um, heard our names. And that was the official, um, yep. No, that must have been first and then, because there's paperwork, right? Because like, even when they say, they bang the gavel and say it's adopted, then you have to wait for paperwork to be like truly official, I guess. Isn't that it? I don't know um, first. No, for us, it was way. once they bang on the gavel, it's the other way around. You sign all okay. the adoption stuff, but then you have to wait for the court date. I think that was it. And yeah. then once the, the judge signs off on it, you are officially adopted. However, the weird thing is, you still have to, like, did you apply for a social security number? Because we have to. So when you sign the paperwork, you will get a birth certificate. They explain that you'll get a birth certificate in the mail, but it takes like six to nine months. Mm-hmm. So we're still waiting on that. We are and, also. Oh, we have it, but we lost it in the move. And I tried to apply for another one and it was rejected. So now I have to go to birth and life records. Yes, it's like a whole thing. Card. Because we're, we're moving. And so I'm, I gave them my, 
I gave them my mom's address, but she's experiencing like a lot of memory issues. And I'm just like, I really hope that she like, you know, and I remember from the the last time with Izzy, it's just a plain white envelope. Like it's not even I remember I had been waiting so long with her that one day I went to the mailbox and I'm flipping through all the mail and I thought it was like a bill or something or like junk mail. I didn't even yeah. know. I didn't recognize. And I was, it was like, oh, bars and glitter. Yeah. And confetti. It was crazy. Thank God I opened it. And then I opened it and I was like, oh my God, this is her birth certificate. And like, yeah. we had never known um, details because her, 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 uh, when you sign the paperwork, they give you the file. Right. Yeah. But sometimes that file is like, just not, complete at all so like we never knew like the time of her birth we never knew anything so like I just was staring at it and I was like wow like okay she was born at like 3 33 a.m or whatever like just putting that final piece of the puzzle the astrological exactly (laughs) because I I I couldn't I could never do that and know when exactly she was born so yeah so that was magical, but it takes a long time. But the the yeah. social security card you, you also have to still go and apply for. Yeah. And like with my son, it's a complication because he never had one because he was a safe surrender. They didn't assign him a number. Ugh. So they were like, you have to provide the birth certificate. And I was like, but I don't have the birth certificate. I just, yeah. we just finalized. Here's all the court paperwork. Mm-hmm. And they were like, but how can you prove that he's a U.S. citizen? And I'm like, this is signed by the Superior Court of Los Angeles. Like, this is yeah. real. Isn't that good enough? And it wasn't. So now I have to wait six to nine months for hopefully the birth certificate to come. And then oh I can God. take that to the Social Security. Anyway. It's yeah. such a pain that's in the That's the kind of stuff. Yep. <laughs> that's, the, that's the stuff that we deal yeah. with. Well, have like a... we didn't, um, because we didn't have an in-person, you know, the gavel moment, we threw yep. her an adoption party with our closest friends and her little friends. Mm-hmm. And we had my friend who's an actor. Um, I said, would you, would you like bang a gavel and wear a judge robe and come and just Aww. like say the thing? I just want to hear the thing, you know, yes. and like, and because I read that, you know, in court, you, they asked the parents, you know, and, and the, they asked the child, you know, do, do you accept this as your family, them as yes. your family? And yep. I was like, I want that moment. I don't want to be, I don't want COVID to take that away from us. We've waited yes. so long for this. And, and this way we get to do it with our friends and our family. And so um, we had this really fun, like pool party with cake and tacos. And um, and then my friend dressed up in a judge's robe and a gavel. And, and I, had a <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So oh, that's so cool. Saying, yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so special. Yeah. I often think that people like you and I, uh, actors and and creatives are uniquely suited to this in a weird way because of a lot of different stuff, right? Like, so we're very used to having to pivot on a moment's notice. We're Mm -hmm. used to having to be flexible and like go with whatever the situation is and like all of that kind of stuff, make it work, say yes, like all of the stuff, you know, and, and I, and, and we're used to like kind of no schedule is the schedule because every day is different and everything is different. So I wonder if, if, mm-hmm. if that plays into like, that we're like suited for this type of thing. Also like dealing yeah. with rejection, dealing with like things not going the way you thought they were going to go and yeah. all of that stuff, you know? Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Being, um, being very available to the idea that it might not work out and that, yep. that that's okay because that means that there's another opportunity around the corner. And <laughs> I think a lot that's of people right. aren't wired for that. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. That's so interesting. now after, after this, do you think you would ever do it again or is your family complete now or how do you feel about it now? Um, 
My husband just sent me a meme the other day of Nicolas Cage, like yelling and screaming and crying. Like it's like <laughs> my wife telling me that she's absolutely breaking down because she cannot handle one more tantrum meal, whatever <laughs> with the kids. And then it switches to Pedro Pascal, you know, where he's like on acid <laughs> in the car, like looking insane. And it's like, yeah. Then she tells me she wants a third baby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm yep. very tired and, um, can't imagine adding another responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, but I love kids so much and I mm-hmm. love babies so much. And I think basically we left it at like next year, we'll, we'll talk about it. And perhaps we take in, uh, we, we foster again with an older child. Um, right. You know, well, I don't think we want to take any children into our home that are above the ages of our kids. Cause I think it would like kind of set I don't know, just, uh, he's like, Rowan's our firstborn. I think it would be very strange mm-hmm. for us to bring in somebody older than him. And all of a sudden he's the younger sibling. Right. Um, Preserving the birth order exactly. as I, I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not can be me as much as my husband. I, I was, I was raised an only child. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just always wanted siblings and, right. um, and they ask for one all the time. Uh, <laughs> and, and daddy keeps saying no. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, but we, right. we didn't do the classes to renew our, cause there's so many really yes. boring classes to, um, keep your yeah. certification up and we're like, we'll do it again. <clears throat> in a year or two when, when we've kind of revisited this. So for right sure. now, it's just yep. the us. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, can we talk a minute about, I think I understand, are you a transracial family? No. Um, Zoe ended up weirdly being white and okay. white looks exactly like me. Um, everywhere we go, wow. she's like, oh, your daughter looks just like you. And it's like, I know, <laughs> she's adopted and it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That is strange. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any advice or any kind of like words of wisdom for any people who are thinking about doing this, not sure, on the fence, anything like that? I mean, I guess my advice would be to attend an orientation where you just learn more about it, because I think that the being a foster parent, being a foster child has some really weird negative connotations in this country. And it's been portrayed horrifically on media, you know, in media in the past. And that's how we mostly learn about, um, a lot of sort of government regulated, uh, I don't know, human organizations. And so Mm -hmm. I was sort of shocked at how many children are in need of homes, even in LA County that they have to go to other counties to find parents. There's just not enough resources. Mm -hmm. Well, now they're called resource parents, supposed foster parents. Um, and it really opened my eyes too. I came in with a lot of prejudicial biases about drug exposure, drug exposed kid. Mm-hmm. You know, when I began mm-hmm. orientation or when I began training to become a foster parent, I said to my husband, you know, I will happily take a ch- any child that needs a home, but not drug exposed babies because why? I'm not sure why, but, mm-hmm. but in my head from, you know, whatever eighties, you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, <laughs> yeah. um, we were taught to really fear that. And yeah, the more research I did about it and the more I learned in training, it was just like, there's so many ways that that can go. And so many, so many ways it can go when you have your own child, you know, biologically, right. you do everything right in your pregnancy and you can avoid locks and sushi and mm-hmm. um, alfalfa sprouts and children <laughs> can, you know, still get ADD and have right. know, mental health issues. It's just, 
and nothing is guaranteed. Um, so the more I learned about it, the less afraid I became of it. And then it sort of became like, oh, of course, a baby, any baby that needs a home is yeah. that I want to help. So yeah. Um, yeah. the training is really calming, I think, um, to a very mm-hmm. like chaotic system. Um, and mm-hmm. I really credit extraordinary families with that. They do a really good job of moving you through understanding it. I don't know. I don't, I mean, I can't imagine having gone through this through DCFS just straight. And it's not like Directly. you have to pay for a non, yeah, you don't right. have to pay for the nonprofit, you know, of the FFA, the foster right. agency. It's not like you pay for it. I mean, it's like a, it's, it's a nonprofit, but it's, um, just really helpful, really, really helpful to have somebody hold your hand through this. And they really yep. were very involved and very sweet and loving. Um, yep. So yeah, I really recommend them or finding, you know, wherever you are finding a foster agency that comes recommended. Yeah, I agree. um, And yeah, and knowing that like, it'd be impossible not to fall in love with this person under your care. And so I think it's possible for, for anybody who's interested, really. Well, thank you so, so much for being my guest today. It's great to talk to you. I'm so happy for you and your family. Thank you. You too. I'm just wishing you all the best. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been the Foster to Forever podcast. Happy stories of non-traditional families born through Foster to Adopt. Produced by Aquarius Rising. Edited by Jason Cerubi at Split Rock Studios. Original music composed by Joe Fulginetti. For more information or to stay in touch, visit fromfostertoforever.com. That's from foster, the number two, forever.com and stay connected with us on Instagram at foster to forever podcast. That's foster the number two forever podcast. We'll see you next time.